<laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> now, what, what you guys don't know is I just met them, and his name is Dustin as well. So she heard Dustin, it's Daddy, you know. <laughs> but I'll receive it, thank you. <laughs> How's everybody doing this morning? Oh, good. And uh, yeah, it's, it's so happy to be here, and we're going we're gonna to start a new series today. And we, we've talked about uh, gathering, and we've talked about going, and today we're going to start talking about growing. What does it really mean to, to grow? And I'm excited to talk about this. Now, some of you guys have said you like sports, some of you don't like sports, but I'm going to talk a little bit about sports today because I think there's a lot of good analogies when it comes to growth with athleticism. And in Scripture, Paul actually uses a lot of athletic terms when he talks. So we're going to talk a little bit about sports and growing and training, and it's, I think it's going to be fun. Now, again, um, as uh, Jamie said, thank you everyone who made the building of the sign possible. That was something that um, was really, really cool. And just so you know, um, in the community that Stephanie and I live in, we're getting to know our neighbors, and they know that we work here. And one of the first things she said, um, our neighbor yesterday, I was, I was talking to her, and she goes, I just drove down the street and saw that sign. That's amazing. And so people that, that don't even call this church their home, they're already seeing it. And I, didn't, I haven't told them we were building a sign. It's just something that she brought up. She said, I saw that sign. That looks really cool. So um, it's, it's cool that, that people are noticing and the things that we're doing around here with uh, just campus improvements and repair, we have repairs and painting coming, uh, the community is noticing. And so thank you guys for allowing us to be a part of this and doing this with us. And I'm excited for the direction that we're going here at a church. Now, let me, uh, let me pray for us as we, we dive in today. And you can uh, turn your uh, Bibles as we get ready to, let me get you to the exact spot so you're not just uh, waiting on me. Hebrews 5.11, as we get ready to go. Hebrews 5.11, and let's pray and welcome God in as we get going. Uh, God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you that we, get to, we do get to gather together, God, and celebrate the goodness of you, God. That we get to come uh, freely and celebrate what you're doing in our lives. I thank you for the people that are here, the people that are joining us online, and uh, the impact that we get to have in each other's lives and in this community in Puyallup, God. So again, I thank you. Uh, we welcome you in today as we dive in. We love you. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right. Now, as we said, so we've talked about gathering. We've talked about going. And it's important that we all understand we have our missions fields. We talked about that um, a while ago, whether it's your neighborhood, your place of business, or maybe you are called to go somewhere and be a missionary. And we had uh, Drew and Jessica Welch one Sunday join us virtually and talk about how they get to be missionaries in Liberia. And there, there's lots of things that we get to be a part of. But we can't miss out on the time that it takes to personally grow. And I mean not just, uh, not just numerically, but personally grow in your walk with Jesus. And today we're going to unpack a little bit about what it takes to, to take that step and say, I'm going to really get serious and I'm going to grow myself. And I'm going to work on growing. And today specifically, we're talking about trying to grow versus training to grow. Trying versus training. Now, when you try, you're making an attempt or effort to do something, right? You say, I'm going to try this and you make an effort. But when you train, what you're doing is you're, you're learning or you're teaching a particular skill or a type of behavior, but it's going to take practice and instruction over time. It, it's not just a one-time thing. It's something that really takes effort and it's a, a timeline thing, right? Now, there's a saying that goes like this. Healthy things grow. Growing things change. Change is difficult, Difficulties cause us to trust God. Ain't that the truth right there? Trusting God calls us to obedience. Obeying God makes us healthy, and healthy things grow. Now, I didn't write that. 
but I've heard it over the years. And um, I, I think of how true that is. Healthy things grow. And there's this, this line, I love how it loops together, saying and if you want to grow, there's all these things that come with it. Some of it's fun, some of it's trying, some of it's hard and difficult. But in the end, it comes back to obedience with God. And when you're doing that, there's growth. So we're going to talk about growing. And, and when I talk about growth, one of the things churches talk about when they say growth is they talk about numbers, right? Talk about how many people are coming to church um, because it's not just about ourselves, though. Uh, Jesus actually commanded us to grow. One of the commandments he gave uh, his disciples, the first thing he said, the last thing he said before he went into heaven, he said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And that's called the Great Commission. And part of that is numerical growth. If you're going out and you're teaching people and you're making disciples, more and more people are going to come to know Jesus. So that's numerical growth. But there's another aspect we need to talk about. Because I I don't think it's just about the, the number numbers with growth. It's about the internal growth that you're having with God the internal growth you're having with Jesus. Jesus wants us to reach those that don't know him yet, but he also wants to reach us deeper. He wants us to love him and get a deeper relationship as we walk with him. And when I say numerical growth as well, something else someone had asked me, um, they said, I I have a friend that goes to another church. I really want to come here. I said, I really don't want to steal people from churches. If, if someone is going to a church and they're established and that's their home, I want them to be established in their home. I want them to serve in their home and grow in their home. When I talk about growth, I want to reach the people of the no church, the people who don't have a church home, the people who say, I used to go to church and I haven't been in years or I've never gone to church. That's my target. That, that's who I want us to really grow and I want us to reach and share God with. And sometimes though, sometimes churches can fall into a trap where it turns into gimmicks. You know what I mean? Like there, there's uh, not just churches, but the uh, buildings and sports teams and arenas and things will do gimmicks to get people to come, right? And so I was, I was coming up with, you know, I was like, what are some five ridiculous things I've seen businesses or even churches do as a gimmick to try and get people? And these aren't just churches. This is just, but, but maybe what if we did this as a church? This is all supposed to be fun, right? Number five, top five, top five things. Number five, free t-shirts. Yeah, right? Everyone, every people are nodding. Yeah, free t-shirts. You've been to a sports game maybe and you see that t-shirt cannon comes out. Man, people are knocking each other over to get those t-shirts. So what, what if we did like free t-shirts, get people into it, right? Everyone loves a good free t-shirt. Number four, major guilt trips. You've, you may, you've seen it, you know, like the people that'll say, hey, you go to Jesus or you're going to burn. And maybe, you know, you saw the church sign out front, right? You may not know this, but we actually had a pretty close vote and we we're looking at it. We almost went with this sign right here. Go to church or the devil will get you. Yeah. Not seriously. But, you know, I mean, just, you know, just guilt trips, get people to come. Number three, take it a little deeper, mass kidnappings. Let's just grab people, bring them into church. I mean, if, they, if we have to force them to come, then let's just do it, right? Unfortunately, we may do our next service from prison the following week. But, hey, you know, we'd, we'd have a week where we had people in here. So mass kidnapping is a good one. Uh, number two, hold our services at Lumen Stadium, Sundays, 1 p.m., during the Seahawks game. Yeah, what do you think of that? Now, what's funny is I actually didn't even know the name of the stadium. I got it wrong, and then Donald had to correct me and say, it used to be CenturyLink, and I was like, but now it's Lumen. Do the Seahawks even matter anymore? I mean, they don't even know who they are, right? I'm just kidding, all right? They know who they are, and they're probably going to be really good. There it is, yep. And just to say, I do want to go to the Seahawks stadium during a Niner game, so I can root for them, the Niners. So, so all that say, maybe hold our services at a stadium, really bolster our numbers. And on top of that, number one, Way to get people to church, free Super Bowl tickets. Yeah, oh yeah, there we go. Yeah, everyone's in, right? We all know 
Oliver, as much as fun as this could be to do some fun things, and not saying we won't do some shirts, you know, down the road and stuff, but as fun as these could be, these are not the key to growing spiritually deeper, right? These could get some fun things happening, get some fun people in the door, but there's so much more that has to happen if you want a connection to really last. You want something to really resonate with someone's heart. They're not going to look back at a t-shirt and go, I gave my life to Jesus because of this t-shirt. Maybe a part of it got him in the door, but there's got to be something deeper. There's got to be something more. And I think that people don't get connected because of a gimmick. I think God has to get a hold of a heart to really get connected. God really has to do a number on someone's heart and really get us to go deeper to really let that start to resonate in your soul. We could do something to get a record number on the weekend, for sure, but they wouldn't be here next week unless we did something equally spectacular again, right? You got the free t-shirt, now you're getting the free hat, now you're getting the free whatever. Just You gotta keep up in yourself, right? If you want people to stay engaged if you start going down the gimmick route, but I don't wanna do a gimmick route, I wanna do a heart route. Really wanna get people to really understand what it means to have God get a hold of your heart and grow that way. And we can see this, uh, this attendance boost on multiple instances if you've been in church your whole life. Now, a lot of us know that when it comes to like Christmas and Easter, that's typically when we'll see a lot of first-time visitors come or people that um, in the church life, sometimes we call them Christers, you know, Christmas and Easter people, but, but they'll come. And I love that they come. This is, this is not a bash on anyone that comes those times. I'm glad that they come and I will take them. If the only time they're going to come is Easter and Christmas, I will take it every single time. But sometimes we see that, and I'll celebrate that, the people that come here in the church. We do everything we can to have people, you know, really foster a real encounter with God. And as excited as you can get on that day, the truth is, did you know, statistically, and this is crazy, statistically, the week after Easter is the most depressing week for pastors and ministers. The week after Easter. Because sometimes they'll see someone come in, and they're like, wow, there's so many people here, and the next week, those people are gone. And it can be a sad, a sad week where people start questioning and pastors start questioning your head. They say, where did everybody go? What did I say? What did I do? And it's a real thing that, that people will, will go through. Now, I actually experienced this um, it, it, here, actually, at one point. We had a Sunday where, where church was full. It was feeling good. And then the next week, everyone was gone. And I was like, what did I say? Oh, man, what did I do? And then Pastor Chris had to tell me, no, no, it wasn't you. The sun is out. Everybody's outside. The sun is here. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, that, that made me feel better. <laughs> but but it, it's an easy thing to go through, and you start thinking. And it's for me, being a, a type 7 on the Enneagram, if you follow that, I'm all about the people and being around the people, and I, I love the interaction. So the worst thing in the world to think is, oh, man, what did I say? Nobody likes me. That, that's, that's the worst rabbit trail you can go down. But, um, but it was great to know that, um, that you guys still do, I think, care about me, and it's, it's fun that you're here. I learned that week that um, it's not just about, like I said, what we're going to talk more about today, it's not just about the numbers and attendance, it's really about the growth God is doing individually, the growth God is doing in your heart, and how that transforms corporately into our church. Now, the hard truth is if people don't get connected, let's say people do, do come on a whim because of a gimmicky thing, or, but if people don't get connected to God, the truth is they'll start to slip away. If they don't feel connected with a group of people, they don't feel connected with a small group, they don't feel like there's something happening, not just with God, but even with the people in the church, people can tend to drift away and, and maybe stop coming to church at all. There, there are some big uh, fallaways that people can go in, like when they, the big fallaways I talk about, like maybe sometimes someone makes that intentional decision to say, I will never go to church again. I know that we probably all have some in our lives that we've heard say that phrase. I used to go, but I will never go again. And we tell them, say, you know, you've got to come back. Something I tell people is Jesus, looking Jesus isn't looking down at heaven saying, oh, you know, when you walk in the door, oh, man, it is about time. 
My gosh, where have you been? Jesus doesn't look and say, oh man, you know what? You're too late. Service started. Try next week. Jesus doesn't say those things. I love that Jesus looks at you every time you decide to come in and and spend some time with him and his people. He smiles. He rejoices. And I can hear Jesus just saying, welcome home. When someone walks in to say, I'm giving you my time. I'm going to grow in you today. And there are also, those are some you know, big fallaways if someone says, like, I don't want to go. But there's also some subtle fallaways. People may not know it just by looking at us, but, but sometimes we can feel like we're in a place where our faith just isn't as strong as maybe it was. We kind of look back and we say, you know what? I used to be all in and now I'm just I'm really not there anymore. Maybe the passion I had just, just wasn't, isn't quite, I'm not passionate about it. Those subtle ones, those little subtle fallaways we call them, those can last a few months those can last a few days. Sometimes it can even last just a few hours. Like you just hit a spell in your ear, like, man, I just feel spiritually weak right now. And pastors aren't immune to this either. I'm not immune to, to maybe feeling disconnected at times. The only caveat is I've got to get it worked out by Sunday every single week, right? No pressure. But spiritual growth isn't so much like taking step after step toward towards God. I don't want everyone to think that if you're growing, it's going to be one clear line forward. A lot of times when we talk about spiritual growth, and we'll keep talking about this a little bit, is you feel like sometimes you take two steps forward, and then something hits and you take one step back. Or you take one step forward, and something hits and you take two steps back. And then you go ahead three steps, and maybe back two. It's this journey that has you going back and forth, or a roller coaster going up and down with with life, right? And if you're connecting with us today, uh, whether it's here online, um, or here in person, or maybe you've walked in the doors for the first time here, what I want to say is, man, if if this is somewhat connecting with you, like your spiritual journey feeling like a roller coaster or something, man, this is is a great week, and I'm glad you're here with us today, because we're going to talk about ways that we can keep growing in our walk with God, how we can actually grow and spiritually mature. Maybe you can ask yourself these questions today as we dive in. Am I moving forward spiritually? Or have I been stagnant for a while? Am I moving backwards? Maybe, maybe, and this is a real thing, maybe you have a feeling that maybe God is disappointed in you. It's a real feeling to have. You think, you think you've done something and God's looking down going, I can't believe you did that again. Oh my gosh. Or God's saying, I can't believe you're still struggling with that. We talk about it every single day. I love that God doesn't look at us like that. I love that in scripture, Jesus always calls people to a high standard. He calls them to a higher standard, but he never condemns them when they fall short. He never condemns them when they, when they mess up. He always is there encouraging and pushing forward. Jesus is the ultimate encourager. I love it in scripture. We see him tell people, he says, get up and don't do it again, but go. Get up. You can do this. You've got this. Let's try again. I believe in you. We see Jesus being the ultimate encourager in scripture. And I think that's one reason so many people were drawn to him so many times is because they knew that they could come to him and he attracted the worst of the worst people. The people that were down in the dumps, the people that had had faded away. Man, Jesus said, let me talk to you. And those people were the ones that resonated with him because they never felt like dirt in his presence. We don't need to feel like dirt, no matter how far away we may be, no matter how stagnant your walk may feel, no matter where you may be in your growth with Jesus, you don't ever have to feel ashamed because he's right there saying, you've got this, let's do this together. It's encouraging to know that people in scripture face the same thing we face. And the temperature of a church, the spiritual health of a church is important to God. I think as a church, we'll, we, we will reproduce not just what we say, but what we go and do. And our maturity is bigger than just us, it impacts those around us. Now, what if we as a church doubled? Like, seriously, just think about that. What, what if we as a church doubled and all the new people that came in um, had this great passion for growing in spiritual maturity the way that we're going to talk about growing in spiritual maturity as we do? Wouldn't that be an incredible thing? We all come together and we say we're passionate about it, we're going to go for it, we're going to give it everything we have, and we see numbers grow. And along with that numerical growth comes spiritual growth as well. With that in mind, 
we are called to constantly grow. We are called to constantly grow. Now we're going to pick up in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, or chapter 5, 11, verses, um, chapter 5, 11 through 6, 3. Sorry, it's hard to say. 5, 11 through 6, 3. And it says this. We have so much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, through this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word over, all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. I love this passage. So when you read this, it says, what's the problem here? What's the problem here? It says, the people are no longer even trying to understand. The people, and these are Christians you're talking to, they are no longer even trying to understand. <clears throat> now, maybe you've had that moment at school or at work, right? Someone's explaining something to you, and they're going all in, and you decide at that point you are mentally checked out. For me, this was every day in math at school. Every single day in math, man, I, the teacher would go off something and there would be X's and Y's and equations and I was like, done. Mentally checked out. And then it was time for homework and that was stressful because I didn't understand, but I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't even trying to learn at certain points anymore. It would feel like the teacher was going off in a foreign language, right? Or if you have kids, you've experienced this when you say the phrase, go clean your room. Mental checkout. It's done, right? They're not listening anymore. It's, it's gone no matter what you say at that point, unless it involves ice cream or candy. It is gone. It's not going to resonate anymore. But in this passage, like I said, he's, he's talking to Christians. He's not saying they had given up on God, but he is saying that they had given up on moving forward from where they were in their spiritual journey. Did you know that you can be a Christian or a Christ follower? You can be a Christ follower and give up on growing? You can not saying that's a good thing, but there are people that do. They, they, they resonate. They say, I'm a Christ follower, but I have, not, I have not moved forward at all. It's possible to be at church every weekend. It's possible to come and no longer be growing personally because you've mentally checked out and said, I'm, I'm done. I haven't done anything on my own to do this. But what he's saying, the author of Hebrews is saying is that the people still needed the elementary truths. They still needed the elementary truths. Even though there had been many mature believers among them, they still needed some of the milk. They needed some of that basic fact, that basic nutrition that comes from Scripture. Some of them weren't ready for the solid food yet. But the author of Hebrews is also saying to these people, you guys, from where you are, because this is what you do, you're at this church, you come here, it's time to move off of the milk now and start eating the steak or the salad if you're a vegetarian, don't want to leave you out. Right? But you've, you've got to eat the main course. It's time for you to move on to this, this big thing. It's time for you to grow spiritually. And he's telling the people here, anytime someone offends you in the slightest way, don't freak out about it. Don't get hurt and take it personally. Anytime you get challenged to do something <clears throat> that takes you out of your comfort zone, don't totally ignore it. If Don't freak out if some, you have to wait on someone for an extra two minutes. Just don't freak out over these little things. It's time to grow in these. I mean, the author of this passage, maybe he just described someone you know, or maybe he just described you in a little bit, right? Maybe you resonate with some of those things. I think this is the natural way where we will act if we're left to ourselves. Not growing, but stagnant. If we're not intentional on growing, I think we'll start to drift. 
If we're not intentional on growing, we'll start to drift. And that doesn't mean that you're purposefully walking away from God. You're saying, I'm not growing, so I'm going to look this way and go. But it does mean that if you're not intentionally growing, you can start to spiritually drift, and you may not even recognize it right away. And then it turns into the point where you say, how did I get here? How did I get, how did I get so far? How do I feel so disconnected? And it's simply because we haven't put the effort into trying to grow. The author of Hebrews gives us some answers that I think are huge for us personally and as a church. And I think the first one is this. Understand God wants you to grow in spiritual maturity. God wants you to grow in spiritual maturity. And all throughout scripture, when God encounters somebody, you don't see him say, hey, I see you, stay where you're at. He doesn't do it. Whenever he meets somebody, he always gives them something that takes them out of their comfort zone. And when they do it, or don't do it, they, they experience something. Sometimes they don't do it, and then they're compelled to, and they see so much growth and change happen because they are called to do something more. God calls us to grow in spiritual maturity. <clears throat> uh, Hebrews 6.1 says this, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward into maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that leads to death and of faith in God. So if I were to ask, and you don't have to raise your hand, but just think about it, how many people want to mature? If you would say, hey, you know, I want to grow deeper, I want to get better understanding. I mean, there's a lot of us, I think, that would say yes, because I think it would be a waste of time to not want to. I, I honestly don't think anyone would be here if you didn't feel like there was something that we needed to grow in or something we needed to learn in, right? I don't think anyone uh, comes here just to, hear me, uh, to, just to hear me say a few good words, or hopefully good words, and then, and then you take off and go home and think, okay, that was fun, repeat next week. I mean, the hope is that when we come, we hear something that, that not just me, but the word of God speaks something and we take it and move with it and grow with it. How mature then, well, the question is, if you come and you want to grow, how mature does you want me to grow? I think the very same answer is the thing that you would say for your kids more than before. How much does God want you to grow? More than before. Knowing that throughout our whole lives, that's what we are going to do. We are going to keep on growing in Jesus. We all want the end result. We all want to be mature and maturing. <clears throat> it's getting there that's the problem, right? It's the hard part of getting there that's the problem. We want a deep faith. We don't just want to get ticked off at the drop of a hat. We don't want to get stressed out by the small stuff. We, don't want to be, uh, we do want to be the people that are, that are forgiving, the people that are loving, accepting of, of people that are coming in and showing them that they are a son or daughter of God. We don't want to be devastated every time someone critiques us. And believe me, that is hard for me to say. I, I take uh, critiquing, critiquing hard. It, it's, it's a personal thing that I, that I work through, but, but I don't want to be devastated when someone critiques me. I want to be able to take what they're saying and grow from it. I want to be full of joy. And I want people to, I want someone to say, hey, they, they look up to me because they know that I'm, I'm working from Scripture. It's not just me, but it's all about Jesus. I want to be, I want God to be at the end of my life saying, good job, well, well done, good and faithful servant. You did it, you grew, you lived your life for me. <clears throat> the first thing we need to know is that all the stuff we want on our own, in our own life, all, all these things about spiritual growth, God wants these for us too. God wants you to grow. He wants you to move forward. He doesn't want you to stay stagnant. We have to learn how though. We have to learn how. Deciding that we're done growing leads to complacency, right? Deciding that we're done growing leads to complacency and complacency is the enemy of progress. Last week, we talked about choosing the hard versus choosing the easy, right? We need a crossroads in your life. What do you naturally want to do? Whatever is easier, right? I mean, that, that's the natural response. You know, do I do this, which will be super easy to do, super hard? The natural tendency is to do the easy thing. 
But the easy thing is not always the best thing. Sure, it's easier, but it's not going to be as rewarding as the hard work. And when we talk today about training ourselves, it's going to be hard work. Let's throw that out there straight up. It's going to be hard work. It's not necessarily going to be easy, but I will guarantee you it's going to be more rewarding. It'll be so much more rewarding than choosing the easy path and saying I'm complacent where I'm at and not wanting to move. It's easy to say I've grown enough. I'm done reading, went to church, I've read the Bible, i read passages, I, I think I'm where I need to be. That's the easy thing to say. It's hard to say, I'm going to give this more time. I'm going to give this more energy, especially when it comes to the cost of giving something else more time and energy that you really, really enjoy or want to do. Now, like I said, I think of athletes. I think of a lot of athletes when I think of training um, because Paul uses them a lot in scripture and he uses them a lot in writings. And we have the Olympics coming up. Now, um, I don't know about you guys, I'm an Olympics chunky. I love the Olympics. And in my house, if I told you this before, Aurora, um, she's nine now, but five years ago, I almost said four years ago, five years between Olympics because of the pandemic, but five years ago, Aurora's watching Olympics with me. So she's four years old at this point. And we're watching, and she is going all out for Team USA in anything we're watching. I mean, she is jumping on the couch. Normally we don't let her, but she was screaming USA, so how could I tell her to stop, right? She's jumping on the couch and she's screaming, USA! And when USA would get the gold medal, she would go bonkers. She'd run through the house and she'd scream and tell Stephanie, Mom, USA got gold! She'd come tell me, Daddy, we got gold! Even though I was watching it right there with her. It was the most exciting thing for her. And then she ran into my office and she saw my old baseball trophies from middle school and high school and things. And she goes, Daddy, she's four years old, those are gold. I said, yes, they are. She goes, you got gold? <laughs> I looked at her and I said, yes, I did. Yes, I did. And she ran through the house, Mom, USA, Daddy got gold. It was the coolest thing. But can you imagine now those athletes that ran and swam and competed in those Olympics five years ago, they get gold and they decide, I'm going to compete in five years, but I'm not going to train. I'm just going to wait. And when the Olympics come, I'm going to go, and I'm going to try out, and we're going to go. Now, I think of, uh, most people know Simone Biles. I mean, this girl is phenomenal. I, I think it's not just U.S. anymore. I think she's the most decorated gymnast in the world at this point with what she's done with the gold medals. And she didn't just do Olympics. I mean, she did world competitions and world championships. And she's just like synonymous with gold medal now when it comes to competing. She's phenomenal. And it was fun to watch her five years ago um, on Team USA do the stuff she did because it was just insane. Now, can you imagine if she decided at the end of the Olympics five years ago, she says, all right, I've got these golds. I'm going to go again in four years, and I'm just going to relax until then. Just going to chill. Enjoy, enjoy the fame. Enjoy the, yeah, people know where I'm at. People know what I did. And then the Olympic trials come, and then she decides to start doing. Can you imagine what would happen? I mean, I won't go as far as say she has no chance because she's amazing, but, but I would say she would not nearly be in the condition she needed to be in to compete with world-class athletes if she took all that time off and said, I'm not going to go and train. Now, like I said, for us, this has a lot to do, I think. It's the same similar idea with our spiritual life. If we decide, you know what? Same principle. I'm just not going to train right now. I'm, you know, I, I did good. I got some golds in my life. I can look back at my life and say, yeah, that was a gold medal time in my life, and that was, that was good here. But I just I don't feel like I need to do it anymore. It's going to be kind of like that athlete who said, I'm going to go compete for the world, but not do it. I'm not going to train. I'm not going to practice. <clears throat> like we said earlier, and I'll put the definitions up there, trying. Trying is making an attempt or effort to do something. Making an attempt or effort. Training, though, 
Training is when you teach or learn a particular skill or type of behavior through practice and instruction over a period of time. There's a major difference between these two concepts. Major difference between trying versus training. And I think for all of us, we have, the, we have to have the mindset to practice, the mindset to constantly train ourselves to keep moving forward. So for all of us here, me included, it's time to stop trying and let's start training. Stop trying and start training. Hebrews 5.14 said, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish the good from evil. This passage says they trained themselves. I love that. It, it doesn't say, it, it says that they were responsible, right? They were responsible for the training. It does not say God trained them. It does not say their pastor trained them, their mom trained them, their dad trained them. It says they trained themselves. Now I think all of those things I just said, God, the church, the pastor, the small groups, the people in your life, they are all a part of it, but it's their your training is not their sole responsibility. I think there's a big piece that we have to go do, and it says it here. They trained themselves. There's an immense difference between trying to do something and training to do something. Training is going to be required for any significant change that you want in your life. This goes across the board. Significant change is going to require training. <clears throat> and it's going to be difficult, but it's going to lead to more joy and more fulfillment. Now, I could, if I decided, say, all right, I'm going to start weightlifting. If I wanted to go and decide I'm going to go bench press 350 pounds today, I'm going to do it. Now, maybe I could because I'm pretty buff. But in all reality, if I went over there and decided I was going to do it, chances are I couldn't do it. I'd get there and I'd be like, I'm going to try this. Mm, fail, right? It doesn't happen. And if I don't have a spotter, it's going to be a major fail. But if I decided to train, and a long training session, I mean, like, you know, you're, you're talking years of just training and muscle building and going for it and joining a workout plan and a fitness program and going for it, there could come to a point where I could get it done. But that's going to take a lot and a lot of training and not just a couple attempts at trying. You've got to build yourself up to a point where you see something significantly different happening in your life. The Bible says this in a few different verses we'll read about spiritual maturity and training. 1 Corinthians 9.25 says, Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8 says, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourselves to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both present life and the life to come. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I love how it says training in righteousness so you can be equipped. Not just trying to be equipped, but really training yourself so when those times come, you are ready for them. I mean, training methods that we use to grow in our spiritual life, we'll refer to these as spiritual disciplines. And they're valuable because they enable us to do what we cannot do on our own willpower, what we cannot do if we just want to try, but rather if we really train and we're disciplined about things. For example, disciplines like reading the Bible and prayer, those enable us and train us to, to talk to God and have the fruits of the Spirit really come out of our heart. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Training takes discipline. It's going to take discipline. It's not something, and if, if you've ever joined a, a workout program or, a, or you wanted to do a special diet or eating thing, you know, if you're not disciplined to it, you don't stick with it very long, right? You don't see results the next day. It's a process. 
A disciplined person is someone who can do the right thing at the right time in the right way with the right spirit. And when they do these, they know that they're going to keep at it and their training is going to pay off someday. Uh, for example, there's a Bay Area sports guy for you. Um, Stephen Curry, if you follow basketball at all, you know the name Steph Curry. The, the man is ridiculous. He's known for his three-point shooting. Well, a lot of people don't know is some people said, man, he's just naturally good. However, he shoots 200 three-pointers every day at practice. 200. He will not leave until he's shot his 200 three-pointer. Because he shoots so much, it translates now to one of the highest three-point percentages in history and in the game of basketball. He shoots 40, he makes 40% of his three-pointers in the game. And if you don't follow basketball, that's insane to make 40% of your three-pointers. That's just unheard of, but he does it. He's the guy that turned the half-court lob when people are like, oh, the buzzer's coming down. He's going to throw it up there. Everyone goes, oh, maybe he'll make it. When he does it, it's like, it's going in, going in, going in, because he's so good at these shots. But he trains. He trains consistently to make these things. Spiritually speaking, it's not, uh, I don't want to calculate how many verses we read or how much time we pray, but I want to use the Bible and prayer as opportunities to train ourselves. So we're not, we're not checking a list saying, did it for this, did it for this, but we're saying, I'm going to do what I need to do personally to grow myself to get to that next level because I know this is what God wants me to do and how he can grow in me. I think a disciplined lover of Jesus is someone who can discern all these different things when, when gentleness and silence and, and healing words and, and maybe you have a prophetic thing that you want to say over somebody. I think the more we discipline ourselves to grow in Jesus, the more we discern how to use these gifts that he's given us. We can use them effectively and lovingly. So here are some, some methods for all of us when we talk about not just trying, but here are things for all of us to train in. Step number one is pivotal. You guys ready for this? Get your minds blown. Step number one. Decide you're going to train. Decide you're going to train. You're not going to drift into this by accident. <laughs> you're not just going to wake up one day and go, oh man, I was, I was training yesterday and this just, just happened. It's, you got to decide you're going to do it. Make that conscious effort to say, I'm going to do these things. I'm going to give God time. I'm going to go spiritually. It won't be an accident. It's going to be intentional. Once you have that plan, once you've decided, I'm going to do it. Step two, Ready? Get a workout plan. Use the term workout loosely, right? It's really working out with scripture, but get a workout plan. You need to set some goals. You gotta set those goals. There's a the great phrase that says, if you aim at nothing, you will hit it 100% of the time. If you aim at nothing, you will hit it 100% of the time. Man, in the physical training industry, that is a billion dollar business. Billion dollar a year, physical training. But the number one thing they give you when you join a workout routine or a workout group, what's one of the first things they give you? A schedule. They say, this is what you've got to do if you want to do this program. They will give you basic fitness steps like exercise, getting enough sleep, eating right. They will ask, do you have any specific goals? What are your goals that you want to accomplish? And then they can give you a plan that fits to make those goals. <clears throat> but example, if I, want to get, if I want to take my six pack out of my cooler, then I've got to work on it. Same thing is true spiritually. If you want to grow spiritually, you've got to work on it. There's some basic spiritual habits, I think, that all of us as Christ followers that are important for all of us, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey. There are some that are more specific for things you're dealing with, but there are a lot of things we can all do. Exercise and, and uh, working out are healthy. Like, that's a good one-two punch, right, for your diet. Well, I think reading the Bible and prayer is an incredible one-two punch to starting a spiritual growth plan. Reading your Bible and praying and not saying, I have to have a dedicated plan, and I think we can get to that point, but just simply saying, all right, God, I know that I need to train. I haven't done this in a while. Where do I start? I would say, man, read your Bible and pray. That is one of the best launching points you can have. 
a healthy reading life, and a healthy prayer life. It's a primary way that God, you'll hear God speak to you through his word and then through your prayers. It's the primary way that we get to speak to God as well. And, and think about that when it communicates. Communicating is so important, isn't it? It's so important. Can you imagine if you decided you weren't going to talk to your spouse or significant other for years? Now, some men may say, please, but no, they're not serious. But can you imagine what would happen in that relationship? If you said, I'm not going to talk to you for who knows how long, I guarantee you your relationship would suffer. I guarantee you it would start to, to, to backpedal. <clears throat> would it kill your relationship? It could. It could. Even if you're still nice to each other, even if you're still polite to each other, if you're not communicating with each other, that's so key to health. It's so key to building that bond with, with a spouse. Now, take that, take that same concept in your walk with God. If you're not having that communication, you're not saying, I'm going to take this time to dedicate and devote to communicating with God, that relationship's not going to be as strong as you need it to be. It's not going to be as strong as you want it to be. And there'll be times where you may even feel like, man, I feel so far right now. But it can simply be, we're not the ones saying, I want to talk. We're not the ones saying, I want to communicate. Read the Bible. Stay in prayer. It's an incredible launching point. Next week, we're going to talk about, I'm going to talk about some more spiritual disciplines and how easy we can get distracted from them. And I'm going to call the talk Overcoming Spiritual ADD. Because I think we can have spiritual ADD a lot of times. I know I can have spiritual ADD. But, um, but I think these are all important and things that we should really dive into making part of our schedule. God wants us to grow spiritual maturity in ways that are specific to you. <clears throat> While in the Bible, there's prayer for everybody. There are tons of other spiritual things that we can do that all of us can, can try and train. And we're going to talk about these in a few weeks. One of them is going to be the spiritual discipline of fasting and how that can help you. One's going to be the spiritual discipline of silence and solitude. Just saying silence and solitude freaks me out. Um, when I was in a Bible college with um, Pastor Chris, was my uh, instructor, he did a project with us where he said, all right, we're going to call it a day with Jesus. I was like, all right, I'm with that. He goes, go, disconnect, no phone, no people, just you and Jesus out by yourself, disconnected. I was like, shoot me now, Chris. I don't want to do it. <laughs> just, just being totally disconnected with nobody is hard, but there's a discipline of silence and solitude that is in Scripture. We see Jesus going out and having moments where he is silent and he is in solitude and he is learning from his Father, and it's an amazing thing. We're going to talk about the spiritual discipline of joy and how it can help us. There are so many disciplines to help us in spiritual maturity. Now, there's a story about Dallas Willard, who was a Christian professor at USC. One time, one of his students challenged him in, in class, something he had said in the lecture. And Dallas heard the argument, smiled, and said, that's a really good comment. I think that's a good place to end today. And the class was just kind of shocked, like, he just called you out and, and challenged you. And all you said was, it's a good place to end? The TA comes up and said, why did you let that kid get away with that? You could have run intellectual circles around him. And the Professor Dallas said, I'm practicing the discipline of not always needing to have the last word. And I thought was, that was a good time to practice. <clears throat> Sometimes we have to decide we're going to train, get a workout plan, and go forward with it. Third, get some workout buddies. 
Get some workout buddies. The, the, often the word we use for this is accountability. Get someone that you're going to work with to do these things. Christianity was never just meant to be an individual experience. I think one of the best ways around here to get spiritual accountability is to join one of the small groups that we have. I know we're, we're kind of on break right now for the summer, but when the fall comes, we're going to launch our small groups again. And man, you want to you grow with people? You want to connect and have people challenge you and, and have some really good discussions? Maybe even some, some little arguments over things, but you're good when you're, when you're talking about how we can all build each other up. Man, join a small group. It's an amazing way to grow in your spiritual journey with God and with each other. When we grow with each other in a small group, we rub off on each other. We're pursuing after God alongside other people. Man, we can carry each other. We can pick each other up and push each other along. It's an amazing thing being a part of a small group. This can also take place in your family. Great questions to ask around a dinner table. Maybe say, hey, what have you learned about the Bible this week? What have you learned about the Bible today? How can we pray for each other tonight? Just basic questions around a dinner table to hold each other accountable and really push each other along to grow. The next thing would be to take that first step. Take that step. It's one thing to make the plan. It's the next thing to do it, to say, I've got to take that step and go in. The good news is that faith is contagious. Faith is contagious. And when you take that step out in faith, you can see other people, they start to hear your story and then they start to take out steps in faith. Or if you're around somebody in a small group maybe and they talk about how they took a step of faith in something, it starts to resonate in your life and you're like, man, they can do it. Now I can do this. That's what makes community such an amazing thing. You've got to take that first step and get people alongside you that are going to take these steps with you. <clears throat> when you take a step of faith, man, the scripture says the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. That's an amazing thing. The faith the size of a mustard seed. And when we grow in our faith, man, it doesn't stay the size of a mustard seed for very long. It can become something incredibly big. So I want to challenge you guys today. Before you even leave the room, decide you're going to take that step. Think of people that, that you know. Say, hey, this is someone I'm going to bring along with me. This is something I can do. And there, here's some great first steps if you've never done these before. And feel free to personalize this list based off where, where you are in your walk. Number one, receive Christ. If you've never done that before, that is the biggest, first, most amazing first step you could ever take. If you're online today and you've never done that, you can click a button for prayer and tell someone that, hey, I want to receive Christ. If you're here today, I invite you to come talk to me afterwards, and I'd love to talk to you about what that means to receive Christ. Start a reading plan. Start with the scriptures. Go online. I know the YouVersion app on the, on the, the Bible and smartphones has so many different reading plans for where you are. If there's a certain devotional you're going through or something you're struggling with, find a plan that can really help you grow in this area. Schedule a time to read. Make it part of your schedule. Don't just say, I'll get to when I can, but, but dis be disciplined with it. Say, this is so important to me, I'm going to make time to do it. Give biblically. Follow what the, the, the Bible says about giving. I think that, that it's so, it does so much more for us when we give. Scripture talks about God loving a cheerful giver. And I love that Scripture talks about how when we give, we get to experience God giving back to us in, a ways, that, in ways that we can't even imagine or fathom. Invite people. Invite people to church. Invite people to your small group. Take that step and say, hey, come check this out with me. We've got a barbecue on Saturday. Invite people to the barbecue. Um, one person told me that they said, I want to invite someone to a barbecue. And they said, man, if I go to the barbecue, it's on church property. I'm going to catch on fire. Tell them I have fire extinguishers. We're ready to go. All right? Invite them to the barbecue. It's going to be fun. Invite people to church. Let, let them be a part of what we are doing here. And if you haven't done it yet, join a small group. Join a small group. There's amazing growth that happens in small groups. And these are just some, some great first steps maybe or, or second or third steps depending on if you've done some of these before. Or like I said, personalize this. There's something not up there that you think, I could do this and it will help me grow. It will be something I can discipline myself to doing to grow in scripture and grow my walk with Jesus. Man, train yourself to do it. 
train yourself to do it and go forward with it. And, and the last thing I'll say today is I love that one of the biggest steps we make is kind of unseen, but we can move from we've got to to we get to. We can move in our lives. The ultimate goal is, is not to say, man, I've got to obey God. I've got to do this. I've got to go this route. We say, man, I get to do these things. I get to read my Bible today. I get to grow. I get to move forward. I get to invite people. I get to help grow our community. I get to be a light for Jesus when I go out. It's not a got to thing. It's a get to thing. And that is so exciting when you think of it that way. Because you know that it is such a privilege that we get to serve a God who doesn't got to love. He gets to love. And he loves to do it. I'd like to invite the the worship team back up as we uh, come to a close this morning. I'm going to read one final passage for us. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I love that our ultimate inspiration here has to be Jesus. Our ultimate inspiration has to be what he did for us on that cross. It starts with him. It's not all about moving in an arbitrary line of spiritual maturity, right? It's not a destination. It's a journey something we all get to be a part of, moving towards Jesus. I love that he, he left his throne on heaven and exchanged that throne for a cross and a crown of thorns to show how desperately he wants to be with us. We sang that this morning. We said, you're all I want, God. I'm desperate for you. What would it look like if we take that step and we say, I am desperate for you. I want to pursue you like no other. We get to do this. It's not a got to, we get to do this. We get to do spiritual disciplines that change everything. Understand that God wants you to grow. Doesn't want you to stay stagnant, wants you to grow. And we get to train, not just try, we get to train. So let's stop trying, let's start training, and let's give God everything we have. Would you stand with me? I'm excited when I think of where we're going as a church and the things we get to do in our community, the ways we, we get to be parts of the fair and the schools and Zyger, and I get to be part of small groups, and I, I love that we get to grow in Jesus, and we get to train in him. Amen? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much. I thank you that, that you came down here for us, God, that you love us so much. You said, I get to do this for you. I, I get to love you, and we get to love you too, God. I pray that in our, in our walks, we train to be more like you. We train to be closer to you, God. We don't just take it for granted. We don't, we don't stay content or stagnant where we're at, but we say this is so important, this is so vital that I am desperate to start. I am desperate to start my training so we can see where you want to take us. So that we thank you, we love you, and we are happy that we get to train to be with you. And everybody said, amen. amen.